This morning we are back in Matthew chapter 10, and we are again seeing uh, Jesus sending out his disciples. And as he is uh, sending out his disciples, here's what I want you to see. I want you to see that disciples of Jesus are sent to proclaim the good news without compensation in order to impart God's peace to those who are willing to receive it. Okay, that's a large thing, but we'll take it piece by piece as we uh, read through this text in Matthew chapter 10. We're going to be starting in verse 5. These 12 disciples Jesus sent out instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or staff, for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it, and if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone does not receive you or listen to your words, then shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Now, we've been talking about Jesus uh, calling his disciples and sending them out. And so I just want to re review for you what we talked about last week. But a lot of this is going to sound similar uh, from the last couple of weeks. In, in last week in verses 1 through 4, it says, And Jesus called to himself his 12 disciples, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. And then he names the 12 disciples. Okay, so we talked last week about how he called to himself his 12 disciples and he sent out his 12 apostles. He called to himself his 12 students and he sent out his 12 sent ones. They are the students become sent. It is part of their training is, okay, and now we're going to send you out and you can do the things that you have been trained to do. You can practice it's like the lab in a class. You do the studying, and now you go out and you practice doing it to make sure that you've got it. And so Jesus is preparing them because someday Jesus is going to be done with his mission here on earth, and just his disciples will be carrying on that mission. And so he's making sure that they are prepared for that for when he departs. But right now, he's sending them out on sort of a training mission. They're, they're practicing the things that he has been teaching them, and he's sending them out. And so as we reach verse 5, it says, these 12 Jesus sent out. Because disciples of Jesus are sent. Disciples of Jesus are sent. They don't stay. They go. We, we would like to think sometimes that as students, as disciples, we could just sit in the classroom. I, I of many people, uh, am one of those kind that love to learn. It doesn't matter what. It, it almost doesn't matter what. 
I can be sitting in a class, and it could be any class, and as long as the teacher is decent and the material is somewhat interesting, I just love to learn, whatever it is. And so because of that, when I'm talking with somebody and they are excited about what they do, they'll start talking about it, and I just will ask, okay, so what does that look like? Well, how does that work? What do you do there? And I love to learn what they're doing And I would love to just be able to go to school full-time. Like, if that was a real job, you could just go to school and learn, I would be happy to do that job. I know some of you are like, that is so weird, I don't understand you at all. But for me, I would delight to just go sit in the classroom and learn. And that is not what Jesus' disciples do. Jesus' disciples learn so that they can do right? They learn so that they can do. They're learning from Jesus so that they can be sent out to do the things that Jesus has been teaching them to do. And so disciples of Jesus are sent. They are apostles, sent ones. And so he sends them out, these 12, the 12 that he has named, he sends them out and he instructs them saying, now don't go anywhere among the Gentiles, Enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So Jesus' disciples are sent, and as they're going out, they are supposed to limit their focus. You're supposed to limit their focus just to the lost sheep of Israel. He said, don't go to the Gentiles, don't go even to the Samaritans. I want you to just go to the Jewish people. Just go to the lost sheep of Israel. Just go to them. Just go to them and proclaim as you go that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So that's what I want you to do. I want you to go out and I want you to just go there. And as I'm reading through, I'm going, hang on, I'm not Jewish. What about me? How come I'm not included here? How come he specifically tells them, don't go to the Gentiles, don't go to the Samaritans? And what he's saying is, not yet. Don't go to the Gentiles yet. Don't go to the Samaritans yet. We're going to start with the people that you know and understand. I'm going to send you first to the Jews As you're on this training mission, as you're practicing the things that I have been teaching you, I'm just going to, for now, send you to the Jews. Now, in chapter 10, that's the chapter we're in right now, we're currently in verse 6. But by the time you get to verse 18, now the Gentiles are going to be included. He's already hinting that the Gentiles are going to be included later on. Those non-Jewish people, they're going to be included later on. But for right now, for this purpose, he says, we're going to start just by going to the lost sheep of Israel. Isn't it interesting that he calls them lost sheep? I want you to go first to the lost sheep of Israel. He could have just said, to your fellow Jews. But he doesn't. He says, I want you to go to the lost sheep of Israel. Those Israelites who are like sheep without a shepherd. Those Israelites who, on whom Jesus has compassion, who have been wandering and need somebody to gather them and bring them back in. In fact, in, at the end of Matthew chapter 9, just a couple of weeks ago, as we were looking at that, but if you're reading that, it would have been moments ago. It says, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, 
teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, for they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus had been doing this ministry. He had been seeing the needs, and he'd been healing them and caring for them, been compassionate toward them because they seemed like sheep who didn't have a shepherd. They seemed like these lost, wandering sheep who needed somebody to get them and bring them back into the fold. In fact, that's the same language that Jeremiah uses of the people of Israel. In Jeremiah chapter 31 In verse 8, it says, Behold, and I will bring from the north country and gather them from the farthest parts of the earth, among them the blind and the lame, the pregnant woman and she who is in labor together. A great company they shall return here. With weeping they shall come, and with pleas for mercy I will lead them back. I will make them walk by the brooks of the water and in a straight path in which they shall not stumble. For I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. So hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it to the coastlands that are far away, and say, He who scattered Israel will gather him and will keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. For the Lord has ransomed Jacob and has redeemed him from hands too strong for him. Jeremiah has been prophesying and saying, you are going to be sent out, you're cast out. Because of your sin, because of your rejection of God, God's people are cast out of his land, and you are scattered to the far ends of the earth. And now, like lost sheep who are out at the far ends of the earth, I will then gather you back and bring you back into my fold where I will care for you and I will protect you. I'm going to gather you and bring you back. And so now Jesus is saying with this same language that harkens back to Jeremiah, do you remember, do you remember, disciples, how the prophets said, I would scatter, but one day I would bring them back? Guess what? It's time to start bringing them back. It's time to start going out and finding those lost sheep and bringing them back into the fold bringing them back into the place of my protection and my comfort where I will be their shepherd and I will care for them. I want you to go out now and do this work. So what does that look like? Right? Disciples of Jesus are sent, and what are they sent to do? They are sent to proclaim the good news. Verse 7, and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what you're to do. As you are sent, you are supposed to proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cleanse the lepers. Okay. I'll get it back. (laughs) Heal the sick raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons. As you proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, one of the ways that you will let people know that the kingdom of heaven is at hand is by compassionately taking care of their needs. 
You'll compassionately take care of their needs, and as you are taking care of their needs, it will be evidence that my message is true, that the kingdom of heaven is coming, that it is time for the sheep to be gathered back into the fold. In fact, when we read from Jeremiah 31, he said, gather them from the farthest parts of the earth, among them the blind and the lame. Among them, the blind and the lame. These are the ones that will be gathered back in. And so as he says now, as you're going, disciples of Jesus are sent to proclaim the good news that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And while they're doing it, they will heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You're going, we just keep hearing the same thing over and over again, don't we? That that's the ministry that Jesus was doing, that then Jesus tells them, I'm going to empower you, I am giving you authority to do this same work, and now I am going to send you to do this same work. And so if you're reading these verses over a a short period of time from the end of chapter 9 to the beginning of chapter 10, you're just reading the same thing over again and go, oh, I guess this must be the thing that Jesus is sending his disciples to do. This is part of it. It is to care for people's needs and meet them where they're at because of our compassion for them so that they might know the hope that we have that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It was this long-awaited return. The disciples knew as they are proclaiming this that All of Israel had rejected God and had been cast out of his presence, and they were waiting now for the restoration of the kingdom. They were waiting for the kingdom to come. And now Jesus is saying, we are proclaiming, the good news is the kingdom of heaven is here. The kingdom of heaven is here. Everybody get ready. Come back. Return to the Lord because the kingdom of heaven is is near. And so we as disciples then, disciples of Jesus are sent and what are they sent to do? They are sent to proclaim the good news. They're sent to proclaim the good news. Now as you do this, he says, you received without paying, so give without pay. So disciples of Jesus are sent to proclaim the good news without compensation without compensation. Disciples of Jesus are sent to proclaim the good news without compensation. Which makes sense, right? It was something that God freely gives. God loves his people so much that he freely gives them something they do not deserve. It is something that you do not have to pay for. You owe a great debt because of your sin, because of your rejection of God. You owe a great debt to him, but you don't have to pay for it because God says, I am going to pay for it for you. It is free to you. In fact, it is so costly, you could not pay for it even if you wanted to. You could not atone for your own sin. You would not be able to pay that debt. You can't pay for it even if you wanted to. But the good news is that you don't have to because God has already paid it for you. And so God is saying, uh, or Jesus is saying to his disciples, so as you go and as you proclaim the good news, you are not to be compensated for proclaiming the good news. 
That is to say that I can't charge you. I have something for you. If this is good news, I have a hope for you. You can have forgiveness of sins. All of the things that you have done wrong, all of the shame, all of the guilt that you bear because of that, I can remove all of that. It will just cost you $10.95. And I will tell you the secret. I will tell you the secret of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is going, no, you received it without pay. You can't, you can't then charge other people for it. Give it freely. Give it freely. You know how sometimes you win something? Sometimes I'll get something in the mail, and I will have won something amazing. And it will be free, free to me, only $49.95 in shipping. $49.95 in, in shipping and handling uh, fees, and it is free to me. But it costs me nothing. It only costs $49.95 in shipping. We cannot charge for the delivery of the good news. We can't charge for that. Oh, yes, it's free, but I'm going to charge you for my delivery free. He's, no, 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 no. The good news of God is free, and so you will give it freely. You will give it freely. You received without pay. You receive without pain, so give without pay. Disciples of Jesus are sent to proclaim the good news without compensation. He says, in fact, don't acquire any gold or silver. This is verse 9. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts. Not $100, not $50, not 25 cents. No gold, no silver, no copper for your belts. No bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or staff for the laborer deserves his food. He says, don't, you don't worry about anything. And I'm going, hey, hold up, time out, Jesus. Let me get this straight. I'm going to go out, I'm going to go proclaim the good news, I'm going to heal all kinds of people, and I'm going to cast out demons and all the things that you said I could do, because you gave me authority to do that. I'm not going to charge for it. I'm also not going to take any money with me. Right. How's that going to work, Jesus? Just out of curiosity, how's that going to work? If I'm sent to do your work and I can't charge for it, and I can't bring my own money along, how's that going to work? And he says, I'll take care of that. The laborer deserves his food. So whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. You're just going to stay with one person. You're going to go into a town and somebody is hospitably going to take you in and take care of you while you're there. Wait, isn't that compensation? No, you're not charging for the work. You're coming in, you're finding somebody who is just going to take care of your needs while you're there. You're not profiting. You're not charging them for the good news. It is probably going to be some a follower of God who is going to hospitably take you in so that you can do 
the work that you've been called by God to do while you're in that town, and then you're going to move on from there. They're enabling you. I think of it this way. Like when we send missionaries out and we're providing for them to take care of their needs so that they can do missions for free in other countries and in other places, that's what he's talking about here. Finding somebody that is going to support them in taking care of their needs while they are providing the good news of Jesus for free. It is God's way of saying, you don't have to take anything with you because just like I freely gave you the good news of the kingdom of heaven, I am also going to give you everything you need along the way. And I don't want you to have too much extra so that you start thinking, I need to acquire extra. You're going to travel light. Don't worry about taking on a second shirt. Don't worry about taking second sandals. No extras, no backups just in case. Whatever you need, I'll take care of that. When you go out, it's going to be like the Israelites wandering around in the desert and their stuff just doesn't wear out. I'm going to take care of all your needs. You don't have to worry about that. What you need to worry about is that you're going and you're proclaiming the good news. And just like I am enabling you to heal the sick and cast out the demons and do the things that while you're proclaiming, I'm also going to take care of your needs at the same time. And I think to myself, that's cool. That's cool. God's going to take care of his people that he is sending out to do his work. That's really cool. I don't have to provide for myself while I do this. You're just going to take care of me while I do it? That's amazing. And then at the same time, I look at it and go, and a little bit scary. Because I would like to just sort of make sure I know. So... Yes, okay, God, you can send me out and I won't take anything, maybe just a couple of little gold coins. Just as in case. Just as back, just in case there isn't a hospitable person in this town and they don't take me in, uh, then I can just might maybe get myself a hotel for the night. Just, just one night. Just Can I have a one night backup plan? You don't need a backup plan. You don't need a backup plan with God. God will take care of you because he is sending you out to proclaim the good news and to do that without compensation. He says, I will take care of you. You don't need to worry about anything more than that. Do you know that one of our core values as a church is that we are missionaries? We are sent ones. Anyone who is a disciple of Jesus is a sent one. You are being sent out. Where are you being sent to? I'll hear a missionary come and we'll uh, talk about the great things that they're doing around the world all over the place and uh, hear that and go, man, I'm glad I'm not called to missions. I'm glad that God has called me to send them money so that they can go. Where are you being sent? 
Jesus' disciples are sent. Where are you sent? Are you sent to your family? Are you sent to your neighborhood? Are you sent to your place of employment? Are you sent to the parks and rec department? Are you sent to homeless ministry? Are you sent to take care of widows? Are you sent to take care of orphans? Who are you being sent to bring the good news of the kingdom to that you can compassionately see their needs and help meet those needs? Who are you being sent to? Jesus' disciples are sent. They're sent to proclaim the good news. And we don't get to go, glad that's not me. Guess what? It's you. You too are sent. And then when I say that, now the rest of it, we start going, oh, hang on, this is uh, suddenly a little bit more (laughs) important, isn't it? If I too am sent, and I am sent to proclaim the good news, I better start proclaiming some news. I better start looking for people who need news. You could start with these kinds of people, the sick, the dead. at least the families of the dead, those who are mourning the dead, the lepers, those who are oppressed. These people need good news. They need to know that the kingdom of heaven has come. They need to know that Jesus has come and is offering them hope and healing that they haven't had before. And you are the ones who are sent to proclaim that good news. You are the ones who are sent. You are sent to proclaim the good news and you are to do it without receiving pay, without compensation. And wherever you do it, he says, uh, verse 11, and whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. Just find somebody who will house you for the night, stay there. Stay in one place until you leave that place and go somewhere else. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. So here's the next piece. Disciples of Jesus are sent to proclaim the good news without compensation in order to impart God's peace. In order to impart God's peace. So when you come, he says, give them your greeting. Now, a customary greeting would be uh, shalom, peace to you. One example of this is in uh, 1 Samuel 25, David uses this greeting. He says, peace be to you and peace be to your house and peace be to all that you have. Shalom. Shalom be to you, and shalom be to your house, and shalom be to everything that you have. And shalom is not just uh, peace, but but sort of a completeness, uh, a wholeness. 
that things might be as they ought to be. There's a, a complete a wholeness, a, a fullness to it. May you have that sense that things are whole for you, for your house, and for all that you have. That's, that's David's greeting. And so he says, as you go into a house, let your greeting be on them. May you have shalom. May you have a wholeness about you. Isn't that a great blessing? It's a great blessing. I know so many people that don't have shalom. They feel like they are broken. They feel like something is missing. They feel like they are empty rather than full. And as you come to proclaim the good news... You are coming to do that to impart God's peace. You're coming to impart God's peace. What does that look like? How do we do that? Well, in part, it's taking care of some of those physical needs that we already talked about. It's that ministry of compassion as you're seeing people's needs, but it's also proclaiming to them that Jesus is the one who provides hope for them. You're proclaiming that, and you better be praying. You better be praying. Because this is work that we cannot do on our own. We're going to need the work of the Holy Spirit to do it. I can come and in wishful thinking say shalom to you. I cannot provide you shalom. But I know the one who can. I have access to the one who can. And so not only am I going to proclaim shalom to you, but I'm going to pray to my Father who is in heaven for shalom for you, for that peace, for that wholeness, for that restedness. That I want you to have that. And he, so he's saying, now you're going to go and you're going to uh, um, give your greeting, let your, and if your, the house is worthy, then let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, then let your peace return to you. They're worthy? How do we know if they're worthy? How do you know if somebody is worthy to receive the peace of God? They show appreciation. They show appreciation. Yeah. They receive it. They receive it. I can offer you something, and if you don't receive it, it's not yours, even though I offered it to you. Have you ever had that happen before where you tried to give somebody something that you thought was really cool, and they didn't want it? It's like suddenly they have no hands. Here you go. The hands just disappeared. No, I'm not, I'm not taking that. I'm not taking that. That happens. With the good news of Jesus, it happens. You reach out and I really want you to have this. I, I, I've got no hands. I can't take it. I'm sorry. But you know, all those burdens that you have, you could take on Jesus. You could accept Jesus and all the burdens would be gone. Sorry, can't. Got these burdens. I'm holding these burdens. I can't take Jesus. Jesus could carry your burdens if you would accept him. Nope, sorry, got these burdens, can't take Jesus. 
Just because we want for someone to have it, just because we want for someone to have the peace of God, the good news of Jesus that provides the peace of God for them, just because we want them to have it doesn't mean they will take it. And so he says, if they are worthy, they will accept it. And you can leave your peace with them. And if not, let your peace return to you. Let your shalom return to you. You know, sometimes I feel like it is my burden that they must take it. I'm like trying to throw shalom at them. Take it! And Jesus is saying, don't lose your shalom over their refusal. Offer it. Offer it freely. Offer it compassionately. And if they refuse it, maintain your peace. Keep your peace. If it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. Verse 14. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, then shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. So disciples of Jesus are sent to proclaim the good news without compensation to impart God's peace to those who are willing to receive it. To those who are willing to receive it. They are the ones who will accept it and others won't. And when the others won't, then we... Okay. We brush it off. You know when you're working outside and then you come to go into the house and you've been working and it's one of those hot and dusty days? Actually, does that happen around here? It's coming. <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm working with my sister out in eastern Washington, they have hot and dusty days and then you brush the dust off. Here, it's the mud, isn't it? You go outside and you work in the yard and you come in and you, you have to wipe the mud off and scrape it off the bottom of your shoes because you're, you're wanting to enter the house and leave all of the filth out there. And so he's, it's that same imagery when you are trying to proclaim God's peace to someone and they are not worthy, they do not receive it, then you just brush that off and leave it behind. Okay. It's, it's like we, we use the term, uh, wash, I've washed my hands of this. I've washed my hands of this. Why do we do that? Truly, truly, I say to you, verse 15, truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Okay. I have tried to give you the peace of God. I have told you about the good news of Jesus who would remove your burdens and you have refused to receive it. The judgment is on you. I have done my part. I am not going to take your judgment. I can't. 
And so symbolically, the judgment is with you. Now, Sodom and Gomorrah are uh, relatively well-known. They're relatively well-known because of the destruction that came upon them, right? The judgment that was performed on them. They didn't have the kind of message that Jesus provided. They didn't have the kind of evidence that Jesus provided. And so when we go and we offer the hope by proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of heaven to people that comes through Jesus, he says that the judgment then remains on them. The judgment remains on them. Because they, they were offered everything that could be offered. And they have refused it. Do you know those times when somebody offers you something? No, that's okay. They offer you something and maybe, it's, maybe they offer you an opportunity and you're like, no, no, that's okay. I, I'm okay. My, I remember my mom talking about her aunt. Her aunt lives in Iowa. She was out there for a visit one time. This was years ago. And uh, my mom was, was talking with her aunt, and her aunt was going, you know, we're looking for places to invest. Are there any things out west that, you know, we might invest in? And uh, my mom told her, well, there's this thing called Starbucks that seems like it's really starting to take off. And my great aunt in Iowa said, yeah, that's never going to that's never going to fly in the Midwest. That will never be a thing. My mom offered her a financial tip, maybe the best financial tip my mom has ever given anyone ever. And my great aunt went, yeah, no, that's okay. I don't want that. That's what's happening Except instead of missing out on a financial opportunity, they're missing out on the peace and grace that comes from God. And in receiving instead the full wrath and judgment that they deserve. I hope that each of you here this morning have accepted the good news of Jesus. That Jesus came to die on the cross to take your place, to pay the debt for your sin, so that freely he could offer his righteousness to you. And you can be restored in right relationship with God. I hope that each one of you believes that this morning and has accepted that gift from God and now want to say that makes you a disciple of Jesus. And disciples of Jesus are sent 
to proclaim the good news without compensation to impart God's peace to those who are willing to receive it. We get to celebrate today both that we have received that ourselves and that he is commissioning us to go and proclaim that good news to others. And so I would invite you, if you believe that Jesus is your savior, to uh, come up during the next song, take the bread and the cup back to your seat, and after the next song, I will come up and we will take it together in, as a way of remembering what Jesus has done for us. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you have sent us. More than that, that you have sent your son to die on the cross for our sins. And then having removed our sin and made us your children, that you send us to proclaim that good news to others. Lord, we believe that you have made that possible and that you will provide for our needs as we proclaim it to others. And so we ask, would you make us bold to do that, to recognize and take advantage of every opportunity to have compassion on those in need and to proclaim the good news that we have in Jesus. And we ask for this in his name. Amen.